from GreenBiz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from GreenBiz events. I'm Joel McCower. Classically, we thought of engineering as a very closed system. We had structurals, we had electricals, we had all the different disciplines. Now we almost have to think of it as a supply chain. Pete Percival is Vice President for Intelligent Platforms at Stantech MWH. He participated in a conversation with Libby Wayman, Global Director of Innovation at GE, Todd Brady, Director of Global Public Affairs and Sustainability at Intel Corporation, which I hosted at the Verge Conference in Santa Clara, California in September 2017. We discussed how digital efficiency can be a critical differentiator enabling competitiveness and growth in companies and countries. Let's listen in. So let's start with some basics here. What are we talking about when we're talking about infrastructure? Todd? Yeah, well, actually, I was going to defer to Libby. She's the expert on the subject, but I'd, I'd be happy to talk about it. When we're, when we're saying um, smart infrastructure, we think there's just a tremendous opportunity to, uh, as a, both a technology company, industrial companies, to embed smart solutions in everything we do, whether that's industrial, commercial, uh, cities, you name it. But you're talking about water, but obviously Intel is inside so many things. Um, but is that, because you would imagine that just, uh, you, we're talking about the water part right now, but you are basically about digitizing, I mean, the whole company these days is really in some ways about that. Uh, absolutely, I mean, water was one example which, which Anne mentioned. And we think there's certainly opportunities to apply technology for uh, water conservation. But that's, you know, that's just the proverbial tip of the iceberg. Uh, yeah. The applications are endless where we can integrate technology into, into sustainable solutions. So infrastructure for you is really everything. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So when, and I'm afraid the answer is probably going to be the same for you, Libby, because you're talking about uh, systems of all kinds. But w when you talk about digital infrastructure, because that's become a big part of the... Uh, of, of, of eco-imagination and GE in general, what are you, what are you talking about? Uh, what's sort of the range of things? Well, for infrastructure, we're really looking at the major systems that power, move, and cure our economy and our people. Um, the energy sector, the transportation sector, flight, rail, um, healthcare, water uh, specifically. Um, and we've seen a lot of digital solutions really start to revolutionize infrastructure. Um, power plants, for example, we have a digital power plant solution that can enable um, a, an efficiency improvement of up to 8%. And so applied across the entire uh, power sector, this can save enough fuel um, to reduce carbon emissions by up to 500 million metric tons of carbon and save also $14 billion in fuel costs. So real money involved with what happens when, when you get this right. Um, and, and Pete, for people who don't know what MWH is, um, give us the elevator pitch and then talk about where you fit in on the infrastructure piece. Uh, we, we're a dominantly an engineering company and constructor. Uh, we have uh, all market verticals covered from power to water, environmental, uh, buildings, all types of transportation infrastructure uh, under, under MWH Stantec. Um, and we also have a big data and analytics team that sort of uh, works across all those industry ver verticals. <clears throat> and, you, and you're working a lot in cities, uh, city infrastructures in particular. We, we work a lot with city infrastructure, uh, local government, uh, 
some state, some federal, federal work. Right. So you're all working on some aspect of, of digital infrastructure. That's the what. But let's talk into the what does it take to do that. Uh, wh what's involved and who, who needs to be at the, at the table and, and, and sort of is there, a, uh, you know, can you rebuild infrastructure, you know, digitally, uh, you know, with, in, in real time. So, so first of all, I, and, uh, sorry, Libby, you're going to, uh, and was the other person, uh, you're going to, uh, you, you really cover the, the broadest, I think, realm here in, in GE, as you said, from locomotives to water systems to uh, wind turbines and, as you, like, you guys like to say, things that spin. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not just a matter of putting sensors in. What, how much do you have to really, you know, create whole new products and services? Uh, well, it really starts with the industrial internet. Um, and the industrial internet uh, allows assets to be connected to the cloud to run advanced analytics um, and optimization routines across assets of different types that form a system. And based on some of our early work in the industrial internet, GE invested in a platform called Predix that can enable all of these assets to be connected. And, um, and then you can start optimizing systems to drive efficiencies and savings in fuel, resources, um, emissions, and cost uh, beyond what's inherent in the individual systems or in the hardware alone. And you're right, it's, it's, um, it's a combination of sensors. Compute power was, has been a really big enabler. Um, this industrial internet platform that allows different assets to be connected and optimized. Um, and then the last piece is the individual applications that run on the industrial internet platform. And that's where we're seeing a lot of growth and a lot of opportunity for advanced technologies like AI and machine learning um, to start having predictive capabilities to optimize efficiency and also um, eliminate unplanned downtime. Todd, I would imagine, I mean, we hear a lot about these kinds of things, but they seem, uh, at least up to fairly recently, sort of one-off sort of pilots here and there. Is this getting past that stage now where we're not just dealing with pilots, but we're actually starting to get to scale? And, and, and what, what does it take to, to sort of move past that pilot phase to take a system? Can you have an example where that's? Yeah, that absolutely. Let me, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, we just finished our newest office building in India, and we built that from the ground up to incorporate Internet of Things, analytics, uh, sensors throughout the entire building. As a result of that, uh, we can optimize our energy use, our HVAC use, lighting, et cetera. That building is 50% more efficient. Uh, it's a lead platinum building. And um, we're seeing great feedback, both from employees utilizing the building as well as our facility systems that are running it. So, and, and as a result of that, that now becomes the baseline for an additional building, which we're now starting in central Israel. And, and how? Much uh, sort of what's the scope of the data? Um, I, I there's a story of, of Microsoft's Redmond campus uh, up in Washington where they were bringing in weather data and transit data, and uh, as well as what was happening with you know all the various mechanical systems within the building and, and really starting to get predictive. Are you is, it, is that I mean, that seemed to be something that hadn't been really replicated outside of 
that one story. Is that now starting to be possible? Yeah, I think so. And, and, and so we can all, not only get data about the systems running the building, we can get outside data. We can get data on how the building is used, where the people are within the building, and how to optimize the space. Uh, one of the things that our you know, real estate portfolio managers always lament is the fact that we're not utilizing our space as much as we could. Yeah. This gives us real-time data about how our space is being used, and therefore we can optimize it. Pete, I would imagine that this kind of changes how engineering is done. When you have uh, this, you know, the Internet of Things and, and building information management systems, um, how does that change the, your profession? Well, it, it changes us internally and externally. Internally in a way that um, we now think of engineering, and classically we thought of engineering as a very closed system. We had structurals, we had electricals, we had all the different disciplines. Now we almost have to think of it as a supply chain. Um, BIM uh, is changing the way we do and construct, uh, design and construct. Uh, the way we visualize and communicate to our community stakeholders, um, augmented reality is changing that uh, very quickly uh, in, in the way we visual, visualize things. The, um, on the internal side too, the Internet of Things and the uh, uh, big data, emergence of big data is changing the way we deal with customers uh, and changing the way that um, customers do clients do customer management, their customer management, yeah. and deal with their stakeholders. And um, we never had insight into a lot of this stuff before. And in a couple of our examples, we were, um, we were faced with an interesting conundrum. We didn't add any sensors. And we unlocked all of this additional information and efficiency uh, for a client. And we didn't add one sensor. It was really just the way we looked at the data, structured it was over 20 different live data feeds uh, coming into the system, and we got all of these great efficiencies out of it. So, and, it, and, and, and is that changing the next generation of engineers that you've seen coming into the job market? Is that a, 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 a different language they speak instead of digital natives? Well, it, it's, um, it's interesting. Wastewater is not uh, often the most uh, exciting thing to do when you come out of UC Berkeley or MIT. Most people don't run to the wastewater side of the business or water. It's not sexy. Um, it, uh, and millennials uh, are sort of born with that cell phone in hand. Uh, one of the big deficits is getting operators and people excited about managing a sewer shed, a watershed. The application of some of this new tech is sort of invigorating a lot of that, uh, a lot of those young folks to get involved with environmental issues, uh, get involved with management of a sewer shed, watershed environment. So we see it as a big catalyst in getting and gaining more interest and momentum in this space. One of the places that this also wasn't that sexy is in funding and the financing of all this. And uh, Libby, is that changing at all? Are you starting to see the I think there's a project you're doing with Goldman Sachs. Are you starting to see the money flow into these kinds of things where it might not have been before or where the, the value proposition with the funders is changing because of the digit, digital aspect of the infrastructure? Uh, a big barrier for financing infrastructure projects in general, especially with new technology, is just understanding how the technology works. 
Um, and you know, we saw that in solar, uh, at the beginning of, of the penetration of solar into the energy space. Um, we see that a little bit now with storage. And so to the extent that data can help inform financiers, that should accelerate their acceptance of these new technologies, help them understand how they work, how they degrade over time, how they perform over time, and give them more confidence to invest. So what does that enable? Does that mean there's more money or cheaper rates, or is it just that a quicker transaction time? I mean, we'll see how this plays out, but I think it would probably mean that um, the adoption curve is a little quicker now that there's more data available. Mm -hmm. But this um, is a, definitely a new frontier. Um, this is the first wave of, of new hardware that's coming into play when there's been quite so much data. Yeah. So Todd, you're partnering with Libby's company on water infrastructure. What are you able to do now that you couldn't do, because you've been in this for quite a while, what are you able to do now that you couldn't do not that many years ago? Yeah, it's the access to information. Uh, GE's been a great partner for us over the years in terms of improving our own uh, internal water efficiency and recycling, reclaiming more water, for example. Um, but where the data, data analytics piece allows us to do is now know, have much more information right at our fingertips, whether it's in our operations or, uh, as we previously discussed, whether it's activities that we're doing in the communities to help uh, save water. Uh, one of the projects that we recently initiated uh, is embedding sensors throughout uh, the, the fields for agriculture. And again, the idea being to optimize the amount of water that's being used in those fields. You couldn't do that, you know, 10 years ago. You does, can do that today. Does that allow you to operate um, uh, in water-constrained areas that might not have even allowed a, a chip fab plant to operate uh, on, on site? Well, potentially. I mean, the, as you look to the future, you can, uh, the efficiencies that you can get through these technologies just open up many additional opportunities for you, whatever that might be. Yeah. So Pete, how does this play out in cities? I mean, if you're, if you're a utility, um, you know, trying to, uh, you know, work, working in a city, does it, it, they're not prone to, you know, quick transformations and, and necessarily, you know, digitizing things. Talk a little bit about that process and the kinds of progress you're seeing happen, or maybe not yet happen. Well, it's slow. Um, it, it, it's it, it, cities deal with a lot of a lot of issues. There, you know, you got four-year mayor, mayoral cycles. You've got uh, council. You've got uh, utility directors. You have the public. And uh, there's a lot of things, and I always say one of the most difficult jobs is being a utility director. You're balancing a lot of different, uh, you know, very multivariable set of equations. But um, one area, and I'll give you an example, uh, Atlanta is uh, one of our early adopters in the space of leveraging some digital. This is the client that we didn't add any sensors on. Uh, we managed their program for about 10 years around their consent decree. And uh, this had hundreds and hundreds of sewer rehab projects out there. And we put in a big data stack. We put in uh, a whole bunch of new analytics, integrated over 20 real-time data feeds uh, in. And I'm not sure that we knew what we were getting into when we developed the first set of use cases. but. Uh, we reduced the number of dry weather overflows in that sewer shed. Uh, Three-month rollout, that's all it took, uh, by 30%. Um, 
it was so good that it even made the evening news. And sewers <laughs> never make the evening news in a good uh, way, ever. The evening uh, news usually has its mind in the gutter anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, it's usually bad. Uh, we increased the O&M efficiency by uh, better workflows, better management, more information, uh, true information, not just more data. We improved the efficiency of the capital spend yeah. to really improve the sewer, sewer set. Yeah, uh, yeah I want to get, uh, uh, we'll finish the sentence, go ahead. Yeah, and, and what it really represented was a change in engineering paradigm. It, it changed the way we looked at master planning for a utility uh, from this paper monster into this real-time environment. And now we have all new analytics and new solutions uh, coming out weekly. So it's a great early adopter and a great, great application and use case example. I want to get to a question in a minute, but, but Libby, I, I have to ask you about cybersecurity here because we're digitizing everything and, and all of a sudden we're creating this great big target. I mean, we're seeing every week in the news, I mean, the Equifax thing and, and, and so many of these instances. So how, how are you making sure that as water systems, energy systems, traffic systems, building systems become digitally enabled that we're not just setting up a big juicy target? It's a very, very important question. There are a couple things that we're working on. Um, first is authentication, both at the asset um, and at the, at the cloud and the transmission. Um, and then the second piece that's really important is identifying a breach when it happens. Um, you, we've heard about a lot of other breaches that, um, that have had systems that have been infected for a long time before they were actually acknowledged. And the way that they do this is they infect a system, operate um, you know, pretty normally, and then start to slowly perturb the operations until it becomes a big problem. So another piece that is very important is early detection of infection immediately. Um, and it's you know, something that will be just continually refreshed and kind of an arms race on the security That's side. That's not keeping you up at night, the fact that the, everything you're building is hackable? I mean, airplane engines? It I keeps mean, a lot of people up at night working all night long. And, um, and I think the, uh, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to stop progress. So the key is to just accelerate progress and to stay ahead of it. Good. Elaine, what do we got? Any questions? <laughs> Uh, well, you took my questions, Joel. <laughs> it looks like a people, and you, actually, you guys actually answered quite a few that were coming in, so that's great in terms of how do you retrofit existing infrastructure, cybersecurity issues, et cetera. Um, there are a couple questions that we got also um, related to um, automating everything. So what ends up happening if you, if you continue to automate our infrastructure, what will the impact of our workforce be and how do we prepare to educate and train the workforce for this new digitally transformed um, infrastructure economy? Right, and there's a couple tables of students right here that just perked up, so. Wait, uh, any thoughts I can, on that? I can say for GE at least, um, all of our executives and business leaders um, and strategic leaders in the company are required to come up to speed on digital technologies. Um, they're all going through digital training, so it's you know, a, a retraining and a re-education of our own workforce. And then for the workforce that we're hiring, we're expecting everyone to have some amount of literacy in digital capabilities, and the technology changes really quickly. Um, and I think it's a really great opportunity um, for the workforce 
of, of the country and of the world, really, to sharpen their skills and um, help accelerate progress. Do you see a job shortage or do you see plenty of uh, the pipeline of new talent coming in? You know, we see a, a really great pipeline of talent um, and uh, it, it's very competitive though. Um, and so we work really hard at attracting the best talent and the brightest minds. Great. Well, um, that's going to take us to the end of thinking of great talents and bright minds. Please join me in thanking Todd, Libby, and Pete. You've been listening to Pete Percival of Stantec MWH, Libby Wayman of GE, and Todd Brady of Intel in conversation at the Verge 17 conference. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening. <laughs>